Joining me now on Hunkering Down with Peter Schorsch is award-winning journalist, former Tampa Bay resident, Noah Pransky. How are you, Noah? I'm doing great, Peter. Things are dandy in New York. Spring is coming. Uh, you are in New York City, right? You're in Manhattan. I am. Um, what is it like on the ground up there? It's really quiet. It's eerily quiet. Um, if you've spent much time in New York, you know it's never quiet, even at three in the morning. I think the quietest time on a normal day in New York is like a Sunday morning, 7 a.m. Sun is up. There are a few cars in the street, but kind of like the city hasn't quite woken up yet. That's how it is all day, every day right now. Um, you know, most of the cabs, most of the Ubers have kind of just locked themselves up. There's still some traffic out there. Subways are still running limited schedules, but it's just quiet. When the weather's nice, you see people out walking and running, trying to keep their distance. But this is a city that's taking it very seriously, and there are no tourists around either. So it's quiet. What is uh, like some of the landmarks? I don't know where you live, but like, you know, like Central Park, is that is that still not bustling? But are people still going through there or, you know, uh, we, we don't have backyards here. So Central Park is our backyard. Central Park is actually probably the busiest place in town because families can go out, get a little space. Runners can go run their loops, keep some distance from other people. Um, but the most of the rest of the town is pretty quiet. You go through Grand Central, which is, you know, one of the busiest transit hubs in the, in the world and is dead. It's a ghost town. Nobody's taking the subway unless they have to take the subway. And I, I went for a run yesterday, a nice, long, quiet run, went right through the middle of Times Square. And it was scary how little action there is in the middle of Times Square. The billboards are all still running, but it, it's almost like a scene out of a movie. There's just nothing going on around you. Before I ask you my next question, let me introduce you to the audience. Uh, tell them who you are and what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm a reporter with NBC LX. We're a brand new network NBC is launching um, with stations and you know partnership with stations all over the country, including uh, NBC in Miami and some of our other NBC affiliates across the country. We're focused on really great deep storytelling, which coming from my investigative background in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's just such an awesome opportunity to be telling national stories at length, you know, long stories, not being limited to the short little typical news block. And we're getting to meet really great people and tell some great human stories along the way, too. So you can find all our work right now at NBCLX, whether it's YouTube, Facebook or your other preferred social media platforms. And um, we're really putting out some good stuff, including right now a lot of great coronavirus coverage. It, it's not just the doom and gloom. Um, but it's, it's some good context. It's good perspective and a lot of people doing good stuff too. Uh, tell us about your connection. Uh, I know what it is, but what's the connection back to Tampa Bay? You were a Polk award winning, um, journalist here. A lot of, uh, I actually put you on my influence 100 because I thought you were representative of, you know, TV journalism is very important in Florida. Um, it's very competitive, um, and it is very, you know, it's a big part of how stories get told because there's so many television markets, competitive and successful television markets in Florida. And I thought you represented that industry during that year. Um, so tell me about the connection. You lived in Tampa Bay for how long, et cetera? Yeah, those comments are always appreciated, Peter. Uh, I was 10 years at WTSP, the CBS station in Tampa Bay. 
I was in Fort Myers before that for a number of years at the uh, NBC and ABC stations there. So covering Florida politics uh, has been a, a big part of my life. And, you know, I, I think I probably made an enemy or two along the way by trying to hold people accountable. But ironically, I actually talk to most of those people now. The people that I had run-ins um, with are some of my contacts that I still keep in touch with because I think at the end of the day, being fair, um, fighting for transparency, advocating for the people, those are the kind of things that are the basis of journalism. That's the stuff I'm still doing. That's the stuff I tried to do for my time in Florida. And I'm glad when I see – uh, people at the Tempe Times, Miami Herald, um, you know, your organization, Peter, anyone who's trying to still hold the account of the powerful accountable, especially at times like this, when so much is happening, um, it does warm my heart to see it. But it is also tough to see the cutbacks and the Tallahassee Bureau getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Politicians have so much power and it, journalism is a great check and balance on that. And um, it's very important that people continue to support that in Florida, that the journalism, you know, journalists are fighting for you at the end of the day. We'll go into your first part uh, um, about your reputation, for lack of a better word. No, I think it I think you're exactly right. I think people did view you as fair. I, I know the, you know, maybe Ken Hagen, who was a who is and was a buffoon and how he interacted with you. Um, may not have gotten over it, but I can think of several people who you wrote about who it did not, you know, it, no, it brought to the fourth acts, which deserved to be cast in a negative light. And I think people still view uh, your reporting as fair. Um, and that I thought you were, you know, when you and Mike Deason were, you know, one and two over there, what a combo that was. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, uh, you're right when it goes to like right now, I mean, everybody's reading about how local journalism is on its on its I don't I don't want to say deathbed. But, you know, we've seen what happened to the Tampa Bay Times, people that you've partnered with, people that I um, that I follow and track closely and and shoot, you know, look at my staff and especially my part time and freelance staff. It's all times people. You know, we have, we had we've got Andrew Meacham. Uh, writing for us, we've got we had Susan Taylor Martin, their foreign correspondent, write a a short story about the scene at Publix this week. You know, we've had Gary Shelton and Joe Henderson and so many people from their organization work for us. You know, I used to, you know, I used to hate the Times. I really did. Uh, 2011, 12, 13. I mean, I really hated uh, the Tampa Bay Times. And now, you know, I find myself not doing whatever I can, but I would do what I could to kind of shore them up because, you know, what is the remora without the shark? Um, and, you know, it just, it's a shame to see what's happening to them, but I am excited for what you're doing. Um, how is work working out right now? Like, I mean, how do you cover the news if you can't get in people's faces and get places and things like that? How yeah, I mean, I'm not traveling the country like I was a month ago, and I'm I'm honestly not even getting out and shooting stories in New York all that much um, in the last few weeks. So I think everyone's working from home. We're doing a lot over Skype, and we're trying to make up for the inability to get out and shoot stories with people by finding more creative different ways to tell their stories over Skype or um, you know, telling it differently visually. So we're still telling good stories. We're still trying to connect with humans because at the end of the day, that's what 
storytelling is. Um, but you know, we, we had a story that, that just dropped, um, today, uh, has to do with it. We did a national poll, uh, regarding coronavirus and opinions toward vaccines. You see all this coverage about the death total and every day it gets difficult to listen to as the numbers go up. I think we're all waiting for that day where we can like lift this veil and go back to normal life. Well, a lot of people say it's not going to be until we get a vaccine. So we actually kind of fast forward the conversation. We wanted to have a really interesting story and conversation about what comes next. So we did a national poll looking at um, opinions toward a vaccine and if you would go and get it when it's available. Uh, the good news is that a majority of the country, somewhere close to 90%, said they would be open to getting it. The bad news is less than a third of the country said that they would be anxious to go rush out and get it. There's a lot of skepticism about vaccine science in this country, especially new vaccines. Um, you know, getting the flu shot, the rate is less than 50% in this country, even though it's recommended for 90-something percent of America. So uh, one of the stories we did, you know, we, we reached out to experts. We talked to people, including Jay Wolfson from USF, the great public health yeah. advocate. Um, we included him and some other top medical experts around the country. We did those interviews over Skype. We found interesting ways to tell the story, including I took Swedish fish and the candy nerds uh, to a yoga mat to try and show exactly what herd immunity means. So we're finding different ways to innovate. And we're all, unfortunately, <laughs> working from our homes for the most part. But the stories are important and the research and the science and those kind of things are important. And NBCLX, you know, we're a network that's basically being created out of innovation. So it's perfect for us these days. You know, the I think there was a story today. Um, a lot of non-essential uh, businesses because there was an outbreak, I think, at a karaoke bar. Um, and so they started using the term second wave, uh, that, that they thought that they had, you know, that they had locked it down. And you're right. Like the vaccine issue is going to be a big deal because, you know what, the vaccine solution is going to come out of nowhere. And like yesterday, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Benson and Hedges, the British, um, tobacco company, um, says that it has a vaccine and that it's testing it. Um, and you know. It's it's a whole set of issues for the NHS over there and whether or not we even believe it and, you know, all this and the false hope that goes with it. But, you know, it is going to be interesting. You know, remember the end of the movie pandemic. You, you don't just get to roll out a vaccine. It isn't like you can, you know, uh, turn on a light switch with it. It's going to be who gets it, who produces it, what it costs. You know, it, is it is it something that's limited so that, you know, um, not, uh, like if you have to, like we can only give out so many per day because we can only produce so much. So who gets it first? Um, but you're right. Like I'm thinking about it right now. Like you know how much I love Disney cruises. You know that one of the questions we're asking right now is when do we get back on on a Disney cruise? And it's not about me on that. It's you know I think like 11 percent of tourists come to Florida industry. More um, than they come to to Florida for pro sports i'll point out as i pointed out many times in my <laughs> career beaches uh -huh. cruises those are the kind of things that people do come to florida for um but you, you talk about the us. you know the, i think our new normal peter is we're going to be dealing with at least a year of this uh, maybe not full lockdown but you know i don't know when they're going to open bars i don't know when they're going to have karaoke bars again in new york city like they're just not going to be able to take those risks 
I have a 97 year old grandmother in Boca that I'm not going to be able to see probably for the next year. Hopefully she makes it a year, but she's 97 and isn't allowed out of her assisted living facility and nobody's allowed in. So I think we're all learning to deal with this and cope with this. And there's going to be some really difficult times for all of us, even when they start to loosen some of these lockdown measures, we, you know, hopefully get to a place where we can plateau and get things under control. The good news is America's got really great standards when it comes to vaccines. Um, You know, in Europe for H1N1 back in 2009, they released a a vaccine early and it actually had some some issues because it didn't go through full clinical trials. Americans are really good about not doing that, or I should say the American government is. Part of our poll, we asked people, should America rush this through that through trials and skip some trials to get it out sooner? And like half the country said, yeah, um, actually, weirdly, a lot more That's men enough. than women said yes. Women are, tend to be a little more skeptical of vaccines and a lot more cautious. Uh, we learned through this poll. But shameless plug, you can find all those results at NBCLX on social media. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're going to have to deal with this and it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to be a really kind of lost year for many people. It's going to be a tough year for our government, um, for our economy. And, you know, it's learning to do with the new normal until we get that vaccine. All right. Let me ask you some of the questions I've asked some of our previous guests, just so they get a good sense of who you are. If they've made because, it this far. Uh, no, you know, I, I, see, the thing is, I wanted these podcasts to be like 15 minutes so people could digest them quickly. But I just find people so interesting. Like, I want to ask you, like, what is the restaurant scene like right now? in New York? Like, how are people, how is New York, which, you know, people don't even have kitchens in a lot of these apartments. They literally that's have. A big, that's a big issue here, right? So, I, I mean, I have people who don't even know how to turn their stove on if they have a stove in their apartments. You know, we're living in 500 square feet each uh, in Manhattan here. I'm in Midtown. So I personally cook a lot, but my stove is smaller than yours is, Peter, and my refrigerator is smaller than yours is. You can I only think, buy in a grocery store what you carry. I think your stove is smaller than me. Just me personally. <laughs> I don't know. You can only buy what about. you can carry. Um, so a lot of people have to do takeout. You know, you just like you go to a dark restaurant that happens to be open for takeout only. And that's what life is for a lot of New Yorkers. I, I think about you right now and I just think about something that's so ridiculous um, that maybe some people don't know about you that you were a competitive eater. Um you know, you're in you're in great shape. You, you run all the time. But you also uh, like most of those well, like, the, you know, I think Joey Chestnut's in really good shape. If I but I remember 10 years ago when we first started to get each other, get to know each other. I remember you did some local competitive eating contests. Um, and we I, all have our pasts, Peter. <laughs> I only bring that up uh, because think about how far. How alien that seems now, not you doing it per se, but just the idea of, you know, like, is that something, you know, and and I'm not making, I'm I'm not trying to say anything bad about competitive eating, but we are going to be in this period, I think here over the next year where that kind of consumption and not just that, but any time, like uh, coming home in a new sports car or going on a Disney cruise in the middle of the, the work week or what have you, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how we rein some of the stuff in in a country that's known for, you know, how can you get the tires on my truck? How, you know, how. Yeah, but anyone who was in Florida in 2008, 2009 understands this better than most. 
You know, um, if you happen to be under the age of 30, you haven't really lived through a real recession. And if you happen to live in the Northeast, honestly, during that time, you didn't really see it either. Nobody saw it the way that Florida and Nevada saw it back in 08, 09. Right. Those two states were hit worse. And I was in Fort Myers, you know, Cape Coral at the time, which was the epicenter, really, for the whole crash. And I remember back to those days where you never saw anyone flashing stuff like that. And every storefront was boarded up and empty. I point again. Um, I hope that this downturn is a V shape and not a U shape. And we bounce back quickly. Well, there's nothing systematically there was nothing systematically wrong with the economy, and there wasn't until. I mean, other than other than the grave inequality, which is a different argument, and but and there's also, you know, two thousand eight was a bubble, and then it was it was an exploited situation with, you know, with collateralized uh, debt obligations and the just the basic na- human nature of greed, whether it be the person, you know, go watch sure. the sword again, and you see it. It's the bartender that had six mortgages or it's the stockbroker who was, you know, leveraging out, you know, I think that we had that in here, but I will say this, like I read an article on Bloomberg today and it was, will we have Airbnb again? And yeah. it's like interesting. We like, uh, I just, and I know you're a smart guy and you're living in a smart city that has access, uh, you know, that from, I remember when I lived in New York and I remember making that transition from Florida to New York, and you just realize, I hate to say it this way, but you're just around an entirely smarter, better educated population. The schools, the grade schools are better, et cetera. And it builds up the lowest common, there are no stupid waiters in New York. I mean, I worked with, you know, people that had graduated from Columbia that taught at Stony Brook. Um, And so I bring that all up to say, like, I don't think, enough people in Florida, not to counter your point, but to like, I don't think enough people in Florida know how grave this situation is going to be. I think that they are yeah, keep, keep still going to spring break. And I yeah, don't think it, that they understand the global implications of what's going on right now. It's been evidence, but even in New York, it took March 11th, the day that everything changed. That was the day that Tom Hanks, I mean, that was like within three hours. Tom yeah. Hanks said he had it. They shut down the NBA. They shut down international travel. I mean, they shut down New York. All these things happened in like a period of three hours at one day. That's when New York figured it out. Florida's behind the curve, and they're going to pay a price for delaying some of those things, I think. But Florida will get it, too, when you have the oldest population in the country and people start getting sick and everyone starts knowing someone, as I do, who has died from this. It it takes a different meaning when you start knowing young, healthy people in their 30s who are runners who get hospitalized and can't beat this thing. And you know people in their 50s who start dying from it. That's when it changes, and Florida will get there. Unfortunately, it's it's going to happen. Um, you know, you just hope, even though there are no fundamentally broken issues in the economy, it still revolves around consumer confidence and consumer spending. I'm no economist. Um, you just hope we get to a point sooner rather than later that people feel confident in spending again and that we're ahead of it. Okay. Um, you clearly, I don't even, you just kind of answered one of the questions, which is when did coronavirus get real? And I'm just going to let you put down the date of, uh, of March 11th, March 11th. For, for you. Um, okay. 
give me a couple of recommendations. How, I mean, I know you're living in a completely different world than we are down here, but what are you watching right now? What are you reading uh, to help you get through this hunkering down? Has anybody, yeah, has anybody heard about this thing called Tiger King? (laughs) (laughs) It it perfectly exemplifies my time in Tampa Bay. Uh, In fact, my, my colleague Mike Deason did a story with, with that whole cast of characters back in like 2011. So it, it gives me special, you know, fun to go and watch the series. Um, you know, Jump I, off on that one for a second, because I just want to say, <laughs> well, and this podcast has turned into Tiger King. Um, yeah. We're blowing right through your 15 minute goal. Yeah. That's, um, uh, you know, the thing about Tiger King, which is, is not surprising to you because you probably saw it even more so than me. There are a thousand Tiger Kings in, in, in Tampa Bay, Florida, and not necessarily to the degree maybe that he was, but you talk about, and this isn't just the usual like Florida man trope, which I don't like, but there are just so many cast of characters because of the transient restarting nature of Florida, um, of which I include myself, you know, like you just have so many people that come from other places looking to restart here. Uh, And yes, that story took on a, on a, on, a, I mean, it just was amazing how it just gets better and better in each episode. But I think that was the thing that I, you know, like as people were, tr- this was not an anomaly. If you, you could, you can roll out of bed in Tampa Bay and there are so many of those kind of people running around this. Yeah. This I, Joe Exotic was Oklahoma, but he totally could have been Florida man. And Carol Baskin is Florida woman. And, you know, Florida man will make a great TV series one day if they aren't already in the works. And I'm just waiting for the great feud documentary between MJ and Bubba to come out because that's the next one. I mean, how how complex and amazing is that story going to be when someone gets around to telling the whole thing between between Hulk Hogan and the DUI attorneys and all that stuff? That's the next great Netflix series. That's true. That uh when they do the 10 part on Peter Thiel, you know, financing the Hulk Hogan, Bubba, the love sponge, um, lawsuit and all that. It's, you know, just so you know, it's still going on. Like I just saw Mike Calta or whatever his name is. The one of the, like, they're still talking about that issue. Like about like, and Bubba and all that stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, Bubba, you know, I've had my run-ins with Bubba and I'm probably one of the few people that, um, that beat him early. Like now everybody's beat him, but I actually beat him early. Um, and I'm just, he's so representative of like this area. Also, I'm surprised that story, like Bubba's rise and fall is in and of itself, like could be a great Florida man documentary. Like if it was truthfully told, because the shit that those guys were doing, Bubba, Hogan, all those guys, I mean, it was some weird, weird, weird stuff. Okay. All right. So Tiger King, you're watching Tiger King. What else are you doing? Um, I, you know, I've never been a big Netflix person. So now I'm getting caught up on Netflix stuff for the first time. Um, I'm reading and I'm working too much. I mean, it's like I'm reading about coronavirus, unfortunately. This will pass. This will pass. But I'm just like living in my work these days. It's a good excuse. Um, and then, you know, it's a good opportunity to, to connect with friends. I think everybody's spending a little more time on the phone on their Zoom, on their Skype, whatever it is. And uh, so it's been good for me to do that too. Are you staying, are you connected? I'm going, I'm, I'm going back and, and reaching out to people. I will say, 
there are going to be a thousand uh, silver linings, a million, a billion. I don't even know uh, situation, but I will say one of the nicest parts has been, you know what? I'm just going to call this person and, and reach out um, because I'm worried about them or I'm scared myself and I need to connect with somebody. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting those calls actually a lot. You know, people see the news in New York and they call me. It's like it's like when something bad happens in Fort Lauderdale, Peter, and your relative in California calls you and asks if you're okay. You're like, yeah. yes, that's four hours away. Um, so people are seeing things on the news about New York, and it's not great here, right? Um, but people are concerned, and I'm like, yes, I'm fine. Things are okay. We're you know everyone's being careful here. So a lot of people reached out to me, and I've been spending time talking and texting with old friends. So that's been good. That's basically the reason why I think I'm doing this podcast is because, you know, all the people that I was seeing, like, I don't get to go to uh, Tallahassee right now, um, or I don't get to go to Miami. And so, you know, I I kind of, I don't know, I'm going to, I miss people already. I can't, uh, I was talking with Brian Ballard, the big time lobbyist, and, you know, he didn't have like some like, you know, a uh, big wish that he wanted to do afterwards. He's just like, I just want to go to a restaurant. That's all he wanted. You know, he's just like, that's all I want to do is just go to a restaurant. And you know what? Damn it. You know, it is going to be such a party when we are able. Um, I don't think it's going to be in a month or so. Maybe later this year when we get to do that again. No, well, I, if you I, remember, go ahead. I mean, I know we none of us remember, but V-Day back in, you know, the 1940s. The famous picture and the statue that stood in Sarasota in Times Square, that was the celebration that you want for this. And it's the celebration we're unfortunately not going to be able to get because there's not going to be just a day where everything goes back to normal. It's going to be a very slow return to normal, I think, over the next year, year and a half, unfortunately. But trust me, if we could shut the doors in America for 21 days, see this thing go away and come out the other side and have a great big party – We'd all be happier, but unfortunately, it's more complicated than that. Always good to talk to you. Smart insights from our man in New York City. Noah, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you having me, Peter. And the shameless plug at the end, check out NBCLX. I will, and uh, I'll, I'll put something up on the uh, website. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy.